Don't get fooled into thinking you have a lifelong career. Okay? At any moment, you need to be prepared to be independent and stand on your own two feet. If you prepare yourself for that, I think you're going to have a much better sort of ride along the way. So think about yourself as self-employed. So welcome to Outliers. This is a podcast with outliers, like we keep saying. And uh, today's outlier is an outlier in many ways. I mean, uh, in in my career as a as a journalist, uh, I have always believed him to be an outlier. And uh, I'm sitting down with uh, Ravi Venkatesan, uh, who who is been a business leader over years. Uh, some of you would remember him as former you know chairman of microsoft india the famous book he wrote that became a template for uh, many multinational corporations to understand how to do business in india uh, he was a board member of uh, infosys until you know a week ago uh, but that's not why i'm sitting down with him and uh, i call i think he's an outlier i think ravi in, in my career there are very few people who I have found uh, they they offer very bold insights, right? And by bold insights, I mean you say things when they have to be said in the tone that it deserves. I remember one of the conversations I always remember is uh, our our one of the talks we had about the disruption in the IT industry and the jobs problem. And then you were very candid, and th- those were the days when none of the folks in the IT industry were even accepting, forget talking about it. That's why I think you are an outlier and (laughs) I hope you you stay that way. So welcome to the podcast, Ravi. Hey, thank you, Pankaj, and appreciate that introduction. Thank you. Uh, Just to kick things off, Ravi, uh, before we get into uh, the the topic of jobs that, that we are going to go deeper, uh, tell me a bit about uh, yourself, like throughout your career, how do you stay relevant and how do you do or discover the next thing that you want to do? What are those curves for you? And then we can talk about what others should be doing, right? Because I think that's the other thing with you. You've worked across sectors. Yeah. What What's behind this? I wish there was some sort of master plan or strategy that I could... Uh, describe. Um, I think somebody famously said that you can connect the dots only in hindsight. Um, so I don't think my, you know, what has ha- played out has been part of some grand design. It's just ended up this way. So I, you know, I had a perfectly ordinary start. I studied at IIT Bombay in '85 when I graduated. There were no jobs, so I think things are coming around full circle. So like most of my graduating class, uh, I had only one intention, which was to go to America. And uh, so I went to do my graduate work there, got a job. And then uh, India had 1991 and began opening up and I felt the need to come back and be part of the generation that contributed to building a modern India. I didn't think I would stay long. I thought I might stay a year or two. It's been 22. (laughs) So again, so much for planning. Um, And, um, you know, we had a fantastic time at Cummins, building Cummins India into what it uh, is today. 
2003, there was this unexpected call from Microsoft of all people. Um, I ignored all advice of friends and family who said, don't do it. It's going to end badly. Um, and, you know, I think luck played a big role. Timing is everything as you, as you look back at your own life. I joined Microsoft at a time when the Indian economy was just beginning to its uh, boom, 2004 to 2011. So I couldn't have wished for a better time. And so we had a, uh, I think, pretty good time and a great innings at Microsoft. In 11, when I left, I, had, I was clear about only one thing. I'll never again be an employee. Um, so I'm done with that phase of my life. But I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I said, okay, let me start by writing a book. And many things came my way, which turned out to be interesting. Um, Infosys happened, Bank of Baroda came along. You didn't in introduce me as chairman of a public sector lender, but uh, that I think is a fairly unusual thing. I started a fund with some friends, uh, Will Poole and Dave Richards and Sri Krishna, and we started United Seed Fund, which has done well. Uh, I started at Social Venture Partners in India, which has also done well. So I just do things which seem to be important and, and interesting to me. And um, yeah, and so it's been a fun, fun ride and a rich life. When I look back, it turns out that every seven years, uh, forces converge. And I ended up doing something radically different. So 2018, uh, I'm in a you know, tr transitioning to new things. 2011 is when I left Microsoft. 2004 is when I joined Microsoft. 1996, 97 is when I came back to India from the US. So it's been an exactly seven year cadence. But again, I don't think that is attributable to any plan. It's just <laughs> coincidence. It's a great uh, context, Ravi. It, it, it kind of sets the scene for us because uh, you know it, and, and I also spend a lot of time talking to people from across sectors. The, there's a lot of paranoia, Ravi, about software eating the jobs. Uh, and uh, the whole automation. And, and I'm not necessarily talking about the technology industry, but you look at auto, you look at banking, all of these sectors. Now, when I talk to even the younger ones, 20-something, first jobs in a bank, I spoke to someone. They're like, what should I be doing? Uh, on one hand, they are like blockchain, on the other hand, something else. Help, help me understand, uh, you know, this deeper for the listeners of this podcast, no matter which sector they are. And let's look at this through the lens of employability, job, because these are the questions people are asking. So what's happening, Ravi? Yeah, so I think something big is happening. Um, one of the problems when we talk about jobs and employment, as Jain Sinha said, is in India we don't talk with facts. It is very hard to get good data, robust data on jobs. And hopefully somebody is working on it. But um, what seems pretty uncontestable is the fact that one million people turn 18 every month and enters the so-called workforce age. And the, the amount of net new job creation that's happening, particularly in the formal sector, is negligible compared to this. So we have a rapidly mounting stress. Um, a lot of it is not reflected in unemployment figures uh, because India has a huge problem with underemployment, which is people who don't have jobs, but in, in order to survive, they are self-employed. 
okay so f- turns out 46% of all people in the workforce are self employed and the vast majority of them 42% of out of that 46 earn less than 5000 rupees a month okay so this is a huge issue <clears throat> unemployment and underemployment now um you can also point to anecdotal facts you, you know you drive in an uber you take a taxi you, you talk to the office boy at work you talk to the uh, vegetable seller fruit seller very very often nowadays they'll say as soon as they find out, oh you're associated with the bank or it industry or whatever was ladki ke liye kuch kar do ladki ke liye kuch karo they they somehow taken a loan sent their kid to some you know uh, lowly rated engineering college or something thinking they would eventually get a job in the it industry and those jobs are not there and so these kids are sitting around without any prospects uh, there's a loan and what is worse is they now think i'm an engineer and i won't do this kind of work which is beneath my dignity which in the past they might have so you hear a lot of this anecdotal stuff then you hear, look at the what's happening across industries you know hdfc which is a phenomenal bank growing well you know last year they announced significant layoffs and they said this is because of digitization lnt again they are growing they are doing well uh, early last year they announced layoffs you look at the it industry uh, the big 5 or 6 they're growing at some reasonable 6 7 8% but the net employment in these is actually shrinking somewhat so if you look look at all this it all adds up to a picture where we seem to be at the early stages of an s curve or where automation and jobs etc uh, sorry automation uh, is going to uh, create jobless growth uh, at least for a period of time of course over time they will create new opportunities as well but net uh, employment is going is clearly an issue and this is particularly hitting people who are as they turn older um, as you turn 40 you start getting into a yellow zone and after 50 you're really in a red zone when it comes to jobs because everybody prefers younger people fresh with new knowledge more eager to work maybe or ambitious and certainly paid a lot less and so people my age are certainly uh, toast and you're yourself in the danger zone fortunately you don't need a job so yeah i think this is a, a big crisis which is building and we haven't yet seen the the full magnitude of it so so if i'm someone who looking for my first job looking to start my career and i'm looking around this chaos i'm i'm like i i can't make sense of automation i can't make sense of everything that is going around what's happening to me and what can i do oh it doesn't matter whether you're just starting out or you're mid you know 35 and sort of partway through your uh, you know your professional life or your later stage 50 and thinking about uh, second innings i think there are a few principles which i usually um, uh, share with people the first thing is hey boss you better take charge of your career and your life because nobody else will i'm sort of plagiarizing jack welch's old book from 20 years ago <laughs> but uh, uh, th- that's really more true today than ever before see for the last 20 25 years we've had a rising tide that has lifted all boats you know i've been a beneficiary of it 
Um, and all kinds of people have benefited, whether they worked hard or not. You know, if, if you were reasonably interested in working, there was a job because of the, uh, this rising tide. That rising tide has been going out for some years. And as Warren Buffett famous, famously said, it's only when the tide that goes out that you see who's swimming naked. That means you now have to create your own current or your own tide. You can't count on um, you know, just broader trends. So that's one thing I would say. The second thing I would tell people is, don't think about a job and a career. You need to, as fast as possible, get your head around the fact that you need to be self-employed if not an entrepreneur okay now entrepreneurship you know is not for everyone but i think the faster all of us learn to recognize and be prepared to be self-employed the better off we'll be and so think about yourself even if you have a job i you know i'm involved in i'm just doing a gig and the gig might last four years and then I might do a second gig with the same company or same organization, but don't get fooled into thinking you have a lifelong career. Okay. At any moment, you need to be prepared to be independent and stand on your own two feet. If you prepare yourself for that, I think you're going to have a much better sort of ride along the way. So think about yourself as self employed The other thing is, uh, how do you search for, for a job, etc.? Now the metaphor I use is a mouse. Unless you're a cat, you don't catch a mouse by chasing it down. Okay? What you do is put a trap out there with a bit of food, pakoda, cheese or whatever, and you wait for it to come to you. Okay? It's the same thing with a job. The chances of you getting a good job by pursuing it are not so great. Okay? It's far better to make yourself attractive and allow opportunities and jobs and all these things to come your way. You know what I mean? Yeah. So attract opportunity instead of hunting down, chasing opportunity. What I'll, makes it yeah, attract? So I'll come to that. So right now I'm just putting out three or four principles. Okay. Now, how do you become attractive? So that's, that's a really good question. I think it's about three things. I think it's about, I've written about it actually, I wrote a New Year's Eve post on LinkedIn which was well received, it was called How to Succeed in the New World. But I essentially talked about, for instance, a winning attitude. Okay, attitude really makes a difference. What is a winning attitude? One is, you really have drive and ambition to make something of yourself. Okay, even when I met you 10 years ago, probably longer than that. You had a great, I knew you were not just going to be an Economic Times journalist, okay? You were burning with desire to make a mark. And I think that's a hallmark of a positive. So willingness to uh, you know, take initiative, take some risk, work really hard to make a success of your life. That's a positive. The second one is you've got to be an optimist, okay? There is just huge evidence that optimists do better than pessimists, okay? So you need to be optimistic, particularly when in the face of setbacks, failures, disappointments, the ability to carry on and keep at it till you succeed is important. I think a third attribute of, of a winning attitude is a willingness to take ownership and personal accountability. 
so many people you know you see them in organizations or you see them in just everywhere they refuse to take ownership for anything okay and they'll do what is told and that's it this is not go- this is not uh, going to be rewarded in the future a sense of entitlement absolutely lethal in this environment nobody owes you anything okay and you're going to realize that pretty quickly so i think that's that's important so i, w- I don't want to go on and on but the set of positive traits is something you have to work on see and it's not something you're born with for instance i was born slightly pessimistic you know always saw the glass half empty rather than half full then i realized it's not a great way to live and it's certainly not a gr- great uh, leadership quality so you work on yourself there's a fantastic book called learned optimism and that was my bible and so i worked on it for several years and today the needle is far more on the optimistic side so these are things that don't just happen you have to be aware of yourself and work on the second thing that i think people need to work on is the right skill set okay now by skill set i don't mean for instance oh today there are lots of jobs for people who understand big data or machine learning or cyber those are the hot jobs of today tomorrow's hot jobs are you know who knows what they are and so you don't i don't mean that you should go out and get the skills you need to land a particular job what i'm talking about what are the skills which are likely to be timeless they are as true today as they will be 30 years from now is there such thing there, yeah i think there are three things which are timeless the first one is learning ability okay and you know hr guys talk about this a lot nowadays they talk about learning agility what is it it says that if a person is thrown into a situation that they have never seen or experienced how quickly can they figure out what it takes to succeed okay and that requires a wide a set of skills which is quite different now this is actually a quality that you can test for and which you can also cultivate and it's like a muscle the more you would do certain things the stronger it becomes but people who have learning agility tend to be curious intensely curious about everything they tend to like to read they tend to like new challenges they don't like very predictable things they like you know ambiguous situations where they have to figure it out you know so i think you'll recognize this in in yourself and some of the people you know and that's the kind of person who's really going to succeed because no matter what you know today in 2 or 3 years it's likely to be obsolete okay and so you need people uh, the ability to real uh, to forget and relearn new things along the way so if you look at my own history i'm unusual only for one reason not because i've achieved anything particular i've done many more different things than most people i'm one of the few people who's worked in the private sector in the public sector and the social sector i've worked in five different industries i've lived and worked in three different continents so each time you take a risk and put yourself outside your comfort zone learning happens and your confidence grows and this is how this muscle called learning agility develops so repeatedly throw yourself into a completely new situation and that's how 
the neural networks in your brain form and your ability to then assimilate um, new things is vastly enhanced. So I think this is one of those horizontal skills that you can see will never be obsolete. The second skill, which is again going to be timeless, is the ability to lead. I don't care how much automation there is, there's always going to be people around. Okay? And the ability to lead them to do amazing things is a very precious quality. Okay? So I think somebody who knows, how, who has the ability to get, uh, to, is never going to have to worry about finding a job or being valuable. It's one of the most precious things there is. What limits an organization's ability to grow and flourish? At the end of the day, it's actually, frankly, the number of leaders that they have. So, Not the managers. It's not managers. And leadership is not the same thing as people in positions of authority. Okay? It is the ability to inspire others to follow you to do something extraordinary. Okay? So I think there is a set of things you do to... Most people could be a leader. Okay, they have the latent potential, but very few actually end up expressing it or harnessing it. And the first step that it takes towards becoming a leader is to take ownership for something. Um, so we can get back to that if you want to unpeel it. Sure. But, you know, so I'd say learning ability, leadership qualities. And the third thing is the ability to manage yourself. You know, again, I've given quite a few talks on this and people sometimes get uh, a little upset. I say the big, the biggest obstacle to your success is you, okay? Sooner or later, we each become the biggest barrier to our own success and you have to learn to get out of your own way. And that's what I call by managing yourself. I mean, if you look at what has been happening around the world, the number of amazing people who've crashed and burned uh, because they did something incredibly stupid or with poor judgment, ranging from Rajat Gupta at McKinsey to many of the people who've been felled by the Me Too movement, including your good friend Mahesh Murthy, and you know, people who have otherwise got many skills and talents, but they are not able to manage themselves. And so they either burn spectacularly or else they never achieve the potential that they would, that they otherwise have. So. This is a crucial, crucial quality. And what does it take? It takes a high degree of self-awareness. Hey, what are my strengths really? More importantly, what are my weaknesses and how do I manage them? The, in my writings, I've talked a lot about uh, the metaphor of a giant balloon. Think about a giant hot air balloon which has huge lift. That's your potential. You could be anything. You could rise very high. But this balloon is held down by thick ropes or chains. And those chains are what? These are your weaknesses. These are your fears. You know, uh, 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 your fear of failure, for instance. Or it could be the malware in your mind. Oh, I'm 48 years old. Who will ever hire me? I'm no good. You, we create these stories in our mind which are just self-limiting. These are those ropes. So I think... People who end up succeeding beyond luck are those who are able to see what's holding them down and gradually unshackle themselves. So I think this is a hugely important um, skill, if you will. So as I said, in addition to specific competencies, sales or coding or whatever, 
you need to have these three fundamental building blocks the ability to learn unlearn relearn the ability to mobilize people and get them to do amazing things and the third is most of all the ability to manage yourself so you aren't the bottleneck to your success i think if you do this success is more or less a given unless you're seriously unlucky so from whatever little i understand from this it looks like that the traits what we understood as traits uh seem to be becoming much far more important than ever before because people tend to confuse it with skills like when they say skill they skills will come skills will go it's a dynamic situation but these these are almost like character traits these are uh, attributes are foundational and lifelong if, okay if it is foundational uh and lifelong how do you infuse this like how how do you like they don't teach this in schools they don't teach in school but that's why you should be listening to your podcast <laughs> so yeah so i there's nothing revolutionary in what i've said right i think everybody understands that the half life of knowledge has been going down exponentially and therefore you better learn to learn but when you actually interview people it is shocking the lack of knowledge of what's happening around them um the how little they actually read how little curiosity they display um it's just really shocking you know at bank of baroda one of the big things we uh, uh, we've done is focused on identifying out of 54000 employees who are the handful of leaders who truly have the potential to take this bank into the future and we started out and tested everybody tested everybody and we came that came up with 2700 people right from scale 1 to general managers who had reasonable potential and then we put them through the leadership development programs halfway through now we tested them again only 20% of that group truly had leadership potential which included learning agility which means 1% of the total population 20% or 5% i.e. 1% of a large pool truly has this and you ask them very very basic questions and they don't know they haven't thought about it and they are not it's and they're not unrepresentative of a broader population of professionals educated professionals out there i think this is this should be terrifying to them because they just waiting for something bad to happen um so now how, so you said how do you do this mm-hmm. well you better recognize if you don't you're uh, going to be an extinct species before long this uh, th- th- we are talking about an individual's uh, challenges and things but yeah. but very strangely and very fascinating that it looks like these things apply to an organization as well uh, say more I, yeah so so let's look at this whole thing through that lens like uh, if you are a bank or an it company and all i mean as an organization an organism does do these things apply equally they are, they apply very much so first of all what would, what should you do if you're a company today i think the most important thing you need to realize is that uh, you have to create a culture of learning where everybody is motivated to continuously l- learn new things if you can't do that you're going to be very quickly fit is stuck with an obsolete workforce 
and then you have problems. You have to lay off, hire other people from the outside. They won't fit into the inside. You have cultural you know, assimilation problems. We've seen this play out in many companies. So, which means you can't just hire bodies. In the hiring process itself, you have to look for these qualities. You have to look for this attribute called learning agility. You have to look for leadership potential. Okay, you have to look for self-awareness, which is the first sign of somebody who knows how to manage themselves. If you, so if you don't test for these things, you're going to end up with some random group of people and then you have to deal with all kinds of problems. Okay, number two, the most important thing you owe your employee is the opportunity to learn and grow. Okay, it's not the compensation. Okay, so how do you right from day one tell them, hey, listen, take charge of your career. It's not your manager's job. It's not the company's job. We're going to create all this avenues for you to learn, but it's your job to learn. The monkey is on firmly on your back. Okay. I think that's something people, uh, employers really need to get good about. Okay. Number three, huge investments in learning. That's something we have to do. Uh, Without that, I don't think companies are going to be able to navigate the, the disruptions that are happening in every industry. Uh, you can't each time just go out and hire smart people. Uh, there's a limit to that. And the biggest limit is you'll end up with a really bad culture of mercenaries um, and uh, low trust. And yeah, it's just it's just a mess. So you have to grow your own talent and the best way to do that is hire the right people and then go on investing in retraining, not retraining, getting them to relearn new skills. So yeah, I think there are deep implications for how you would run an organization today versus let's say five and 10 years ago. Things have changed, the game's changed, it's moved on. The other thing we keep hearing Ravi is, is entrepreneurship the answer to these troubles or challenges because and and, and or, or if I'm an employee I would think okay hell you know let, let me become an entrepreneur because then I can if control an employee. Yeah, sorry if, if an employee then, yeah. then you're thinking of becoming an entrepreneur because I'll be more in control so so, so sometimes the trigger for entrepreneurship is getting sense of control uh, and from organization point of view they say okay we will encourage entrepreneurship is entrepreneurship overall an answer to these see I think there is no silver bullet out there. I think the solution to jobs, employment, livelihoods is a layered one. One layer or one part of the important part of the solution is entrepreneurship. But um, two, two points I'd make. When we think entrepreneurship, we shouldn't think just about the flip cards or whatever. I think we need to think about mass entrepreneurship, which is people solving local problems and seeing that as an opportunity to build a little local business. Think Padman, for instance. Uh, great example of somebody who saw a problem in his own home, uh, develops a solution that ends up in a uh, wonder, wonderful, wonderful way. Um, so that's one thing. So it, and just because you started in life as a techie writing code doesn't mean that you, are, you, know, you have to build a tech company. It can be any business. Recently, I've been spending a lot of uh, time uh, with a lot of time with a uh, guy called uh, Shashi Kumar. He runs a he, he is a dairy business called Akshay Kalpa, which actually supplies Bangalore with a lot of organic milk. 
turns out he was a uh, you know telecom engineer at Wipro for 20 years but uh, he loves farming and dairy and he's doing an amazing job so i think um so entrepreneurship is n- not just startups and as we think of it in bangalore it's solving problems with a with a business uh, thing in mind the second i think i would say is entrepreneurship is not for everyone uh, so i think it's foolish to assume that everybody is capable of being an entrepreneur i thought about i toyed with entrepreneurship yeah, I myself to ask you this, yeah. yeah so uh, back in two, 1999 an entrepreneurial bug bit me because i was you know making diesel engines and everybody from uh, from my college etc were participating in the dot com boom it was just before the dot com bust and i was feeling miserable sitting in pune saying i'm missing out on what's happening um so i started a company but i didn't have the courage to quit and go start on my own so i started cummins infotech um and then the dot com dot com bust happened and then we merged it with kpit info systems and it became a great success uh but i w- i realized then i'm an intrapreneur i'm i'm risk taker within a, a large organization i'm not really an entrepreneur 2011 when i left microsoft i looked i toyed with uh the idea of creating a, a company that would sell uh, cloud based solutions to smes so i had a nice team of ex microsoft guys and we had our business plan everything ready we had our investor and at the last minute i realized boy why am i doing this am i really passionate about it and i realized i'm not uh, i was doing this because i was caught up in the frenzy that was happening but um, i realized my real passions were elsewhere so i'm just saying it's not for everyone um and not everybody who even tries to be an entrepreneur is going to succeed only 20% will 80% of startups actually fail so it is important it's a hugely important thing for the country and the planet uh but uh it's only a piece of the solution that's why i, th- I think s- truly s- uh, thinking about self employment is a huge part of the solution and that's what i encourage people to think this uh, is sign off ravi uh, you made a very very important point when you were talking about your 2011 yeah. idea of doing a startup and in the last moment or whenever you were close to it you said this is not uh, i have discussed this before i think in one of the morning walks with you and you had some very strong arguments against it sometimes people get this realization midway mm. right uh, like okay this is not what i should be doing yeah now uh, how do you do that i mean how do you do that uh, uh, like one is to not board the flight another one is to abort the pl- plane which is in the flight see first of all i believe that i actually want to take a minute to say we've talked a lot about jobs and things like that i don't think we should just focus on jobs the reason we were born on earth is not to have a job in fact uh, uh, ck prala late ck prala told me once he was my mentor and he said ravi there are only two moments that are important in a person's life the first moment is when he or she is born and the second moment is when you figure out why you were born i don't know if it was originally his or not but i loved it i'll never forgot it so most of us are in a search whether we recognize it or not f- to understand why were we born why were we put on this earth the job is only a means to that end why we're here is actually to you know figure that mystery out to make a difference um 
FDR, uh, Franklin Roosevelt, he said, um, the, he talks about the thrill of, uh, the joy of accomplishment and the thrill of creative effort. So I believe we should all be trying different things. Some things will work, some things won't work. We shouldn't be afraid of trying just because everything we try won't work. So if you, there's a little itch in your brain saying, hmm, I want to become an entrepreneur, I'd say go for it, try it. And there's no shame in failing, okay? So I think we should redefine failure. I just realized before the investor gave me the check that I really wasn't passionate about it. But let's say I'd gone ahead and then flamed out. So what? What's the big deal out here? Uh, you know, in the cosmic scheme of things, these things don't matter. What matters is that you live a fulfilling life. You figure out um, the, the way you're really going to make a difference and you look back at your life and have no regrets about it, by and large. So again, I want to shift away from jobs. Yeah. Jobs at the end of the day is only a means to the bigger end. Is this how, uh, final, final question, before we sign up, because a lot of people are also thinking, what will Ravi do next? Ah, <laughs> good question, so am I. <laughs> uh, but, and you talked about it, every time you think of doing your next, what is that one thing that drives that decision making? Or is there one thing? No, actually, I, this is an exercise I would ask all your readers to do. Uh, take a sheet of paper okay, and make it into two columns. In one column, write, think of all the people who have been the biggest influence in your life. You'll start out and you'll say, my mother, my father, uh, some teachers, some, somebody at work, somebody in life, your, hopefully your spouse, whatever. You write this down. By the time you're 54 years old, it'll be 15, 20 names. On the other column, think about the defining experiences in your life. Okay? And again, there's some 10, 15 of them that you could think about. And then each time, look, look at each one of these and say, how did this happen? Did it happen because I chose, I made it happen? Or did it enter my life? Did this person enter my life? Did this experience enter my life? I can look at my list and say about 95% of both the experiences as well as the people happened not because of me. They entered my life. And so here we are having this delusion that we make things happen. It is our decisions, our choices. Nonsense. I think you do your best, you prepare, you work on your learning ability and lead, and then opportunities enter your life. Okay, and you should only be aware and smart enough to recognize, oops, there, there's a beautiful one. So I look at all the things that happened to me professionally, whether it was Cummins, whether it was Microsoft, whether it was the book project, whether it was uh, uh, Mr. Murthy asking me to join Infosys, the, the Raghu Rajan asking me to join Bank of Baroda. SVP, the fund, every one of them entered my life, uh, not something I chose and decided to do. So I think this is really important to do as you get older and older. When you're young, you believe that everything happens because you made it so. Uh, as you look back at your own life, you realize many things happen for reasons way beyond your own decision making. So, so what I think is going to happen now is the right opportunity will enter my life. And I hope I'm aware and smart enough to recognize it and say that's the one, as opposed uh, as opposed to you know 
things which are not really meant for me i think this also connects with what you said about becoming attractive correct you make yourself attractive to others and the opportunities will come your way uh, that's all you can and should do actually okay in my life whenever i pursued opportunities i found that the door was locked and then magically some other portal opened and it was the pathway to a beautiful future so that's the advice i would give god speed ravi i mean Thank i you. can't wait to learn more about what it is but well, don't you don't have to wait long i'm writing a book about all this it's called what the heck do i do with my life it is aimed exactly at these kinds of questions and so hopefully uh, uh, by the end of the year i'll have a somewhat readable book um, yeah so that's <laughs> Thank the project you. lovely talking to you ravi thank As you always, so much yeah, thanks